there, church. My name is Trinity. I am one of the pastors here at New Life, and I am so excited to be your guest speaker for the online campus this week. I love the opportunity to connect with um, all of you. I know there's people joining us from around the valley, from around the, the United States, and even from around the world. Um, and I'm really looking forward to studying the Bible with you for just a few minutes today. Um, so welcome, welcome. I hope that you will interact um, on whatever platform you're watching this on. I hope that you'll talk. I hope that you'll share your thoughts and your even your questions and everything in the comments. Um, so I'm looking forward as, as this video airs to seeing those and interacting with you in the comments. Um, but today we're going to talk about the Bible. Um, for those of you that didn't see it just recently, uh, Pastor Brian re-aired a series that I taught called uh, Bible Hacks. The Bible is just my favorite subject. I love it. Um, I don't just say that. I really do enjoy being a student of the word. And so today I've actually got three different modes. I've got my uh, my physical Bible here. I'm going to be looking through. I'm also going to be using my version Bible app. And so if that's your preferred method, um, I'll be doing that. And I'm using my online Bible as well with my concordances and everything. So we're going to be flipping around a lot. So wherever you're at, I hope you'll get out whatever version of the Bible you like to use and you'll come around with me and come along with me because I want to make this um, a, a back and forth, a conversation. And I also want to remember that this word, wherever we're reading it, is alive and active and it applies to us. And so we get the opportunity to interact with the Word of God today and we get to do it together. And I'm looking forward to doing that. So I want you to think about the last 10 years of your life. And I want you to think about the things that have changed in you in the last 10 years of your life because it's likely that you're not the same person that you were 10 years ago. Certainly depends on what stage you're in, right? Like maybe you grew, <laughs> maybe you were shorter before, uh, maybe you became uh, a parent. And uh, I know I did within the last 10 years and that really has changed my perspective on life. Maybe you got married, maybe you uh, maybe you started a new career, uh, maybe you gained weight, maybe you lost weight. We've probably all done a little bit of that in the last 10 years. Uh, you changed careers, maybe you're younger and your voice changed. Um, so, But something about you has likely changed in the last 10 years um, and it's probably made you see the world differently. Don't you kind of look at your 10 years ago self and think, if only I knew then what I know now, right? It changes how we see the world. Um, like if you, I know I said one of the things that changed for me is I became a parent and it has made me different in a lot of different ways. But one of them is I certainly regret how I viewed parents 10 years ago when I thought I knew everything, right? It changes how you see the world. It changes how you see other people. It changes how you see how the world works. And a change in the way that you see something is called a paradigm shift. Your paradigm is the lens through which you see the world. It's like the glasses that you use to look at the world. If you've ever had a pair of sunglasses that maybe had a different colored tint to them, some of them have that kind of brownish tint, some of them kind of make the world blue. Um, if you have uh, special lenses, they might make things look kind of multicolored or rainbow when you look out the window. It changes the way you see the world. That's your paradigm is the internal way that you see the world. And when 
when you learn something or you discover something uh, that is so profound that it makes you see things differently, we call that a paradigm shift. It's like you've put on a new lens, you've put on a new pair of glasses, and suddenly you see everything differently. And the Bible, the Word of God, is full of potential paradigm shifts, um, especially since the world that we live in is so far removed from biblical principles. And so today, my goal is that we together, as we study God's Word for just the next few minutes, might experience a paradigm shift in regards to the church. Now, you've probably heard, if you've been around the church, uh, in the church world, in the church community, uh, for any amount of time, I hope you've learned and you've internalized that the church is not a place and it's not a club. You know, we say in our culture, and, and it's okay, we say we're going to church. We mean we're going to the gathering of the church, right? Or maybe we're going to the building where the church gathers. Um, but the church itself is not a club and it's not a place or a destination. The church is us. We are the church. Jesus said that in the word of God. So one of our values at New Life Church is that we are all about the capital C church. Uh, the capital C church is the global church. So it's not necessarily referring to just our chapter of the church, wherever that may be, wherever you may be, but it's referring to the church of Jesus, the church um, that's, that's built on Jesus and that's moving for Jesus. And that includes every chapter. And the beauty of the church is a lot of it looks very different different all around the world. And so you might experience something different if you attend a New Life campus or another Bible-believing church campus. You might experience different things if you hang out with different people, even from a single chapter of the church. Um, but we're all about the capital C church. That means we're in support of any group of people, any chapter of the church that is teaching and preaching Jesus and the Word of God. Um, and when we really believe that and we're we're a part of that. When I say we, I mean our church. And so if you've chosen New Life to be your home, that's one of our beliefs. We're all about the capital C church. But beyond the simple idea that we are the church, which makes for a really good t-shirt, right? Um, we still aren't sure, I think, a lot of times how to define church. Church is a place we go. It's a group of people we belong to culture, identifies the church as an organization, right? A, a group of people that have a similar goal. And they're not totally wrong definitions. Like those are all correct. Like nobody's gonna be like, oh, you said church and you didn't mean church, but they're not totally right either. And in order for us to be the church, we have to know what that is. And so today we're gonna look at what scripture says about the church. The first thing that I believe we, we need to know is, is what that word even means. And so just so you're aware, when we're talking about the New Testament, and again, I don't, I don't plug myself very often. I hope you know that or you believe that. But if you didn't get to see that Bible Hacks uh, series, it was just a two-week series, I hope you'll go back into the archives and I hope you'll watch it, not because of me, um, but because God is so good and having that foundation of what the Bible is and how to use it as a tool, how to harness it, how to understand it, how to interact with it, it's so important. 
um, because this is our manual for life. It's our lifeline to God. It's our love letter from God. It's so many different things. Um, and, and we need to know how to use it. We need to know how to understand it, how to contextualize it. So I really do hope you'll you'll go back and you'll listen to that. I, I again, this is gonna sound self-serving, but I did. I, I was reminded of a few things um, as we went through that study. And so um, the 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 Bible itself is divided up into an Old Testament and a New Testament. And the New Testament is written primarily in Greek. And the word church that's used in um, in the New Testament, in the Greek language, is the word ekklesia, ekklesia, which means a gathering or assembly of Christian believers. A gathering or assembly of Christian Christian Jesus Christ, those that follow Christ, believers. So the actual word includes everyone who believes in Christ, and it also refers to a physical gathering, or or in this case, perhaps a digital gathering together of believers, those that believe in Jesus Christ. Um, and so just a side note for that, that kind of means that, you know, if, if your family follows Jesus, when you gather together around the dining room table for a meal, that's church. When, when you have uh, friends over, Christian like-minded friends, and you choose to, to love one another, even if you're not actively discussing the Bible or, or praying together, but you're choosing to live out your faith side by side, that's church. And that's a beautiful thing. And then overall, we belong to the church. Again, we are the church. And so it's vitally important that we experience a paradigm shift here. The church is not a place and the church is not a club, but church is an identification. Church is an identification. So in my life, I'm a wife, I'm a daughter, I'm a mother, I'm a pastor, I'm a student, I'm a teacher, I'm a Christian, and therefore I am church. That's part of my identity. And so to define the church, the Bible compares it to a few different things. Uh, Jesus and, and the Bible as a whole are just so wonderful about giving us word pictures to meet us where we're at. And so when we read these passages through, I want us to look at one thing. What does the passage say the church is? What does the passage say the church is? So I'm gonna read through several different scriptures right now. And again, I'm gonna kind of hustle through my different um, modes of Bible here, uh, just to kind of show you that they really are all useful and helpful as long as we're reading the word of God. Um, but you follow along at home and they're also gonna be on your screen, but I encourage you to write these down and maybe revisit them as an answer to the question, what is the church? So the first one I wanna look at is 1 Corinthians Corinthians 3.16, and I'm going to start over here in my, my paper Bible, and, um, and just for, you know, we always say we're real around here, I didn't even mark the passages off, because I wanted to make sure you knew that everyone, including pastors, has to do a little bit of flipping to find stuff in the Bible. 1 Corinthians uh, is in your New Testament, 1 Corinthians 3.16. And this passage, whoopsie, you gotta go back and forth a little bit. <laughs> this passage says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? 
And now over to Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. And I just love this stuff. I love flipping around. I love finding it. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 21 and 22 says, In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too, that's us, that's the church, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And the last one I want to look at related to this is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Isn't this fun? Just to see how it's all kind of together. It says this. It says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what do those verses tell us that the church is? Well, the church is a a home or a temple for the Holy Spirit. I'm going to flip over to my Bible app this morning, and I want to look at something else. Uh, The second thing that the Bible says that church is, and the the first passage is found in John chapter 1, verse 12. And it says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, this is talking about Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Look at Ephesians chapter one, verses four and five. Ephesians chapter one, verses four and five. For he chose us, again, this is Jesus Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. A flip, flip forward just a little bit to Ephesians chapter 2, again, verse 19. It says this, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. This is talking about you. This is talking about me. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. And then finally, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 And this says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So what do these verses tell us the church is? Because first we learn that the church is a, a home or a temple for the Holy Spirit. And now we see that the church is a family, that we're children of God. John chapter 10, verses 14 through 16. John chapter 10 verses 14 through 16 says this. I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus's words. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So what is the church? The church is a flock, a flock of sheep. Um, and so, and then look at Ephesians chapter five. And again, this, this shouldn't turn you off. Looking at verses in the Bible should be exciting. We're diving into the word of God. Ephesians chapter five, verses 25 through 27 says this. 
Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The church is referred to in the Bible as the bride of Jesus Christ. And then finally, I want to look at three scriptures. This is the, the final thing that the, we're going to look at today that the Bible says the church is. Look at Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 says this, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, that's you and me, though we are, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We are a body. Look at one more scripture. First Corinthians 12, 12 through 14, just a little bit forward there. First Corinthians 12, 12 through 14, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. We are a body. We are a body. We're meant to be, and the Bible goes very far into this metaphor. We're all working together. We're all different parts of one body. And verse 13 says, for we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. So the church is a home, a temple uh, is another word for that, for the Holy Spirit. It's a family, it's a flock of sheep, it's a bride, and it's a body. And so these all give us a word picture of what the church is meant to be. But, but now I want you to look back over the scriptures, and I've got a, a couple more here as we're kind of wrapping up today, um, about what it says that Jesus is to the church, what it says that Jesus is to the church. So if we're a, a temple for the Holy Spirit, then what does it say that the church is? Look at Ephesians uh, chapter two, verse 19. Ephesians chapter two, verse 19. It says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers. We read this one. But fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Listen to this. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. And in him, you too, that's you and me, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So we already knew that the church, and that's all the believers, comprise a uh, temple, a, a dwelling place, it says, a home for the Holy Spirit. And we see now that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He is what we're all built off of. He's what we're all angled off of. He's He determines the, the shape and the strength of the building. He's the cornerstone. If, if we're a family, then what does it say that Jesus is? Look at Matthew 28 verses 18, the beginning of your New Testament. Matthew 28 verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Look at Ephesians chapter one, verses four and five. We looked at this just a, a few minutes ago. 
It says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So if we're a family, Jesus is the head or the gateway to that family. He's the way that we become a part of the family. He's not the dad, he's not the father, that's God the father. Jesus is the one in charge. He's, he's giving us access, free access to that family. What about the sheep? If, if we're sheep, if the church are sheep, then, then what is Jesus? Well, look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verses 14 through 16. It says this, I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus. So there's the answer right now. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Trin, why did you make us read three verses when the answer was in the first verse? Because we don't just need to know that he's the shepherd. We need to know how he defines shepherd. He's a good shepherd. He's a gathering shepherd. He's a protecting shepherd. He's a shepherd that is for us. Uh, two more, okay, two more. If, if we are a bride, then what is Jesus? Go back to Ephesians chapter five. Get, get into this today. Ephesians chapter five, verses 25 through 27. We just read it, but now think about who Jesus is. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Okay, so Jesus is the groom. We are the bride and Jesus is the groom. And what kind of groom is he? He's the kind that loves us, that gives himself up for us. And then finally, we are the body. And if you flip back just one chapter, Ephesians 4.15 tells us, instead, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. Jesus is the head. And so when we think about the church and what we're supposed to be, scripture tells us what Jesus is supposed to be. And we look at all of this and really the bottom line is that Jesus is in charge and for good reason. Jesus is in charge and for good reason. And so I, I really hope uh, that you're starting to experience a paradigm shift as I have, as I've looked through these scriptures, we're starting to see who we are collectively. We're the bride, the family, the sheep, the temple, the body. And so just in closing in our final couple of moments together, I want to identify based on this paradigm, because remember, a paradigm isn't just something new you learn, it's a new lens through which you see the world. And so as you put on this paradigm of who I am as I am church, what does that mean our responsibilities are? 
So briefly, um, I just want to point out to you with just a handful of scriptures. And again, I hope you'll write these down and and feast on them throughout the, the rest of your week, the rest of your day. If we're a home or a temple to the Holy Spirit, then our responsibility is to house the Holy Spirit, is to be joined together with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.21 says this, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So we're to be joined together to house the Holy Spirit. As a family, what is our family responsibility? We'll flip back one more time. We're gonna look again at Ephesians 1, 4 through 5. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. We're to be holy and blameless. How? By grasping on to Jesus, by holding on to Jesus. Jesus. If we're sheep, then our responsibility is found in John chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. What is our responsibility as sheep? Jesus said, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. We are to follow Jesus and only Jesus. And anything that doesn't sound like Jesus is, is meant not just for us to ignore, but for us to run far away from as we seek the voice of Jesus as his sheep. If we're the bride, then what is our responsibility? We go back to Ephesians 5, and it says this in verse 31. It says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And this is speaking about physical human marriage, but it's also uh, preparing an analogy for us, a paradigm for us to understand that we're meant as the bride of Christ to become one with Christ, to have a fully intimate, committed relationship with him. And then it says in verse 33, however, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. And again, this is talking about physical marriage, but it's also talking about our relationship with Jesus. We're meant to uh, submit and to respect Jesus. And in return, we can expect unconditional love. And then as the body, what is our our, uh, responsibility? Excuse me, as the body of Christ. And I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 12, this is our last scripture reference today, 21 through 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 through 27 says this, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, 
every part rejoices with it. Now you, that's me and you, are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. We're not meant to be separate. We're not meant to live separate. We're meant to be part of the body of Christ, to not be divided, to not be jealous, but to work in harmony with one another. We're being challenged this week, and again, I say we. We're being challenged this week to leave church and be church. You are part of a huge body of believers, and this online campus demonstrates just how huge. The people you may be watching and commenting and interacting alongside may be literally hundreds or thousands of miles away from you in different states, different countries, different continents, but you are a part of that body. And that part of, uh, or that body is a body of believers that's all over the world, and the church needs you to function function properly and fulfill your duties or we can't function at an optimal level. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. We will take you at your word today. We thank you for what you've given us and we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're trying to communicate with us today. Lord, you are so good. Thank you. Thank you for being our shepherd. Thank you for being our loving groom. Thank you for being the cornerstone and the gateway into the family and the head of the body. We give you the respect and the honor that is due your name. And God, we ask that you would please give us the wherewithal to be able to uh, fulfill our responsibilities as part of this beautiful Capital C Church. We bless all chapters of that church across the world, and we give you the praise and the glory and the honor, and look forward to the day that we will all be joined together, that there will be no sea to separate us, but Lord, that we will be all together as one, living in your beautiful presence. In Jesus' name, and the church says, Amen. Hey, New Life. I'm Brian. I am the online campus pastor here at the New Life Church Network. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining us today for this midweek live stream. Hopefully you got something great out of it. I want to remind you about a couple things about our church network. One, if you haven't uh, liked or followed us on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch, make sure you do that right now. You just go to New Life Church Network. Uh, We're also on Instagram as well. We want to make sure that you stay up to date on everything that's going on here at the New Life Church Network. We try to use social media as much as possible to let you guys know about all the stuff that's going on. One of the things we do every single day is nightly prayer with our church network. And at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, every single night on Facebook, we go live. Uh, One of our staff members goes live and we pray over the needs and over the praise reports and everything going on for our church network and across the globe. And so join us every single night on Facebook New Life Church Network on Facebook at 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Also, if you have a prayer request, you can submit those anytime at our website, newlifeca.church slash prayer. Submit them there, or you can always submit them in the comment section of any video we post. We'll make sure to add that to our prayer list, and we pray over that at our nightly prayer time. Also, if you call New Life Church your home church and you want to give towards the ministries here at New Life, you can do that at our website. That's newlifeca.church slash give. Or you can text your campus name like online, 
Lathrop, Modesto, whatever it is, to 209-647-3878. And you can follow the step-by-step prompts on your phone there to give uh, an offering or a tithe to, to the church. We want to thank you so much for joining us today. And I want to bless you with one scripture before we go. And that's Matthew 6, 33. And it says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So if you find yourself in a place of need, do those two things. Put his kingdom above everything else. No excuses. And then secondly, live righteously. And he has promised new life to take care of every single one of your needs. All right, God bless you. I'll see you guys again soon.